Hey, Moms with Attitude listeners, this is Beth, and I wanted to let you know that on today's podcast, we are actually going to hear from Emily Hill. Uh, Emily's going to tell us about herself and her journey and path to where she's currently at, but here's a here's a little tease. She is a uh, academic professor. Um, she is a computer science major. Um, she's really into programming and coding and what she loves is to be able to teach anyone and everyone that they can be a coder in six months. And so she's an entrepreneur. She's a mom of four, soon to be five. And, um, we just really enjoyed, uh, the conversation that we had with her and we're excited for you to be able to listen to just some of her, you know, nuggets of advice that she has for people who are wanting to potentially change careers. And then after we interview her, we do a recap um, for uh, from Chelsea and I. So again, appreciate you being listeners. And here is Emily. Hello, hello. Can you Hi. hear me? Yeah. Hey, Emily, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm sorry. My phone didn't to show me that you had texted. So. Oh, <laughs> sorry about that. That's okay. So this is Beth and this is Chelsea. Let's see, Beth and Ch- I. Should I be seeing you or I'm just hearing you? Oh, you should just be hearing us. Yes. Oh, good. Oh, you sound like almost identical to me. I'm sorry. I thought it was one person talking. Oh, how funny. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. That's so funny. Um, so yeah, so, um, you know, obviously we're the Moms with Attitude podcast. So we appreciate you taking some time to chat with us today. And um, so what we like to do is, you know, really let our guests kind of tell their story themselves. Um, you know, we'll have a, a small introduction um, into the, the podcast as well. But we, we like for our guests to be able to talk about, you know, their journey to where they're currently at and, um, you know, what they're, you know, what they're doing. And um, I know you've got some, some really cool things happening um, with your coding academy and, and all of that. So why don't you just introduce yourself and, um, you know, tell our listeners who you are and what you do and how you got there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. So I started out as a professor uh, in part, though, because when I went to college, I I was really torn. I really liked music, but to be honest, the job career situation in music was not awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, you know, my brother who majored in music, his first job was in tech, and I'd always kind of liked computers. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe I can become a programmer. And I thought I could have a really big impact, like creating software over just performing for people. Um, and so I, I was like, okay, I'll be a CS major. I'll learn how to do this. But I didn't. And I, it wasn't like I didn't try. I had a 4.0 my final two years of college. So I was like a model student. But when I got out, I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had a, it, it, so I went to, I thought more college must be the answer. Which <laughs> <laughs> isn't necessarily so. Um, but I did eventually learn not because the master's program I were enrolled in taught me, but just because the projects they gave me were so hard, it was either do or die. And so I finally figured it out and I taught myself, even though I, I got all these degrees. And after that experience, I was so frustrated by the system 
I was like, I want to fix this. I have to fix this. And so I went on a mission. I learned how to teach anybody how to code. I became a professor. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually I realized there was a limit and there was actually a, a barrier in colleges and universities. Like I couldn't teach people to become software developers the way I thought it needed to be taught. Like there's just constraints in the system. So now I've, I've, I just literally resigned a few days ago it was my last day. Uh, now I started my own business so I can bring this knowledge to people and you don't have to spend four years and hundreds of thousands of dollars to learn it. Oh, that's super cool. Wow. That's amazing. So, um, you just resigned from your, your professor position, like your educator position. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Now what school did you teach at? I was teaching, um, I taught at two different schools. I started a big state university called Montclair State. It's in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, they had like 300 students and I would see them for a class and I couldn't actually tell if I was helping them or not because I just saw them for like three months out of their whole four years. So I switched universities, A, because it was also closer to home, so better work-life balance, but also because I was in charge of the program and it was super small. It's called Drew University. It's a small private liberal arts in New Jersey. And so I was able to teach the students every semester, sometimes multiple classes a semester. So I could really see, like, if they didn't get it in the first course, I tried to teach them. I would notice that in the next course and then I'd go back and I'd teach it. And so like with that kind of circular feedback loop, I was really. Oh, are you there? Is there a me? <laughs> hey, <laughs> I don't know what happened. I can hear you guys, but. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Okay. We were kind of like, you know, wondering if it was your connection or, um, and then it just ended. Um, so, uh, Okay, so we had some questions. First of all, what is the name of your business that you started? So my business name is the Joy of Coding Academy. Oh, wow. That's cool. And who are your, like, primary customers? Are they, are they like, high school students or, like, college, you know, post-college adults? Awesome, awesome. Such a great question. So... I actually will work with anyone who really wants that kind of career transition, whether it's their first job they're trying to get or they're in a job where their quality of life isn't what they want or their income is not where they want to be. And so they want something more stable that they can do remotely. So most, so I have worked with high school students as a college professor, but I mm-hmm. haven't had any yet that wanted to do this. I've often gotten people that tried college and found out it wasn't for them or knew in advance that it wasn't because college isn't for everybody, like the way it, the style of it. So I get a couple students that way, but predominantly I get students that have a job um, and are looking to really pivot careers because they can do it quickly and you don't need a degree um, oh, yeah. to, to get these skills. Um, this is Chelsea. I just, I'm just curious because I don't know a ton about coding, but I can promise you I have a ton of ideas when it comes to <laughs> applications and like apps and what we should and shouldn't do etc but um as far as coding goes what are the employment possibilities that your academy like focuses on um and then do you have direct like contact with companies for employment after yeah such good question so 
the really cool thing about coding is you don't actually need a college degree, which is why I can offer this outside of the university setting. So I take what I used to deliver in the university. So it's the same quality, but now I do it at a condensed time frame because you're focused just on this. Like you're not doing all your general education classes. Right. And so the entry level for computer programs, like these are the entry level starting jobs. The salary range is anywhere from 40K to 150K. Nice. That's the start. Yeah. And then the range once you're in for a couple of years is 100K to 900K. It's ridiculous. Wow. <laughs> like, That's insane. Yes. Can I come to your academy? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's really like, so that's the, and it can be remote, like, right there, like people are really well compensated. Um, And and so like, there's such a huge range. So you can get, like, I've had students come in and they just stick around. Like I offer a six month program. If, If you, if you're able to work about 10 to 15 hours a week, you know, we can get you out in about six months or so. And I have students come in for three months. And then they get a job in that 40 to 60 K range and they're like, see you later. What I offer is six figures in six months. So we, the mm-hmm. last three months were like working as six figure developers to really target those um, higher six figure entry level jobs. But like really it's, it's up to the, the particular person and what their career goals are. Do companies, um, I guess, value your program the same as I do a degree? So the currency in coding uh-huh. is the skills. Yeah. Okay. And so actually in 20, this is what started me on this path in 2018, an article came out that the top three tech companies in the U S no longer required a college degree because they're acknowledging that a college degree does not equate to skills in the workplace that they're looking for. Like I had that same experience back in the early 2000s. I was like, I didn't learn what I was looking for. And now having been on the other side as a professor, I completely understand how this happens because colleges and universities, they're delivering computer science, mm-hmm. which is not programming and software development. The right. best programs right. give you those skills, but not all programs do. And to be honest, the current finishing school for software developers is in software companies like mm-hmm. Facebook and Google and Amazon, because the industry is evolving so quickly. They don't have time to share with the world what they're doing. And it also is like an economic disadvantage right, to share right. With the university. Right. For sure. That makes total sense. That's, um, it's interesting. I have a friend whose husband works for an oil and gas company and he definitely, well, so he wasn't in it or didn't major in that in college, but he did just create a big app for the company, but he's been there forever. So it's crazy. Interesting. Yeah. Um, what do you feel like is the biggest barrier in app development? Like, can you hear us? Hi, we're back. (laughs) Hear me now. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. Yeah. For some reason with this software, whenever my phone screen goes to sleep, like while I'm talking, it, um, it kicks me out. And when I log back in, like the, the website's gone down already. Dang it. Oh, that's so uh, yeah. Um, I'm just letting you know. Cause like, I've never experienced this before. I'm sorry. No. And we were just, we were like, we both were like, well, maybe we should move, but this is where we record all the time. And so I was like, right. I don't know if it's us or if it's like her phone, but Anyway, um, so Chelsea asked, I don't know if you heard her last question, but Chelsea yes. asked what 
you, the, yeah, what you feel is like the biggest barrier in app development. Yes, for sure. So the one thing I was going to mention, just finishing up the previous the uh, conversation we were having, was that the um, because the latest training is happening in software companies, the way I work around that is I actually have a small software company. So I offer students guaranteed internships and even pathway to part-time paid roles while they're applying for jobs and while they're finishing their learning. Dang. So that's, that's where I kind of close the loop on that. That's oh, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely probably enrolling. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Totally yeah. Works totally works yeah. with mom life and parent life. Yeah, um, so I'm always I think, hustling. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. Awesome. And so you had asked a question about app development and what the biggest barrier is. And I think the challenge is that the technology is evolving faster than we can learn how to teach it. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I've really focused on is how what are those underlying principles, those essential foundations that don't change? Because my goal, I know the students that, that come to me that I help, they want a job. They want their first job or the next job, depending on where they are in their career. But then my goal is for them not to need me anymore. I want them to be set up for a 20-year career. So that changes how I educate because I know I can't. I can train them on the technology, like the app development strategy that's hot right now. But I know it's not going to be that way forever. Maybe it'll last six months, maybe five years. So I focus on teaching them the process and the thinking skills that they need to thrive in a career marketplace where the technology and the skills are always evolving. So that's really the focus. So I would say the biggest barrier is sometimes people get caught up and overwhelmed with how much is out there because it's just changing so fast. So I break it down into a simpler structure to follow. Um, so that you don't have to know everything. You learn a process so that you could learn anything, right? You can't learn it all. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think that, like, that's if awesome. that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes total yeah. sense. I mean, one thing I would, I would wonder because um, I guess the legal side of app development, do you get like apps, does every app have to be copyrighted? Like, how do you protect them? Oh, good question. So the way we work it is we keep the code hidden. So you don't necessarily make the code publicly available for everybody because what's shipped in the app stores is something that's called a binary. And what that means is the language that the computer actually speaks is zeros and ones. (laughs) Totally lame, right? Yeah. Yeah, the binaries you get on the app store, they don't have any code in them. So there are copyright issues that you can put in your code. So in case it does get revealed, um, but usually the co- the code behind the scenes is kept private. So you don't have that concern. Interesting. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. I'll say like I do IT recruitment um, nice. in my current organization and everything that you're saying is just so very spot on. I mean, we do value in, uh, the organization that I work in, you know, degrees for sure. But I've seen a shift in the last several years of, yes, it would be great if they had a four-year degree, but it really is like that skill set, you know, because every, mm-hmm. I mean, 
every position that I recruit for is very unique and like the skill set that they're looking for. And so it's not that the theory behind like, you know, management information system, um, which is the, I would say the largest degree that we see of our applicants um, is again, nice to have, but it's really that um, technical ability of, you know, whatever programming languages that they know, or, you know, maybe it's a network engineer type role or, you know, so it's really kind Mm -hmm. of looking for those like hard um, technical skills that are really important. Exactly. And that's why like the training program is that I've created is structured in this way, because I was graduating students out of my university program that were making more than me, their first job offers. It was amazing. And so, and I was like, you know, I need to get this out for more people and to get this in the hands of others. And and there was limitations. There was things in the university structure I couldn't do. Like I couldn't go out and work with companies and help place students and hear the feedback from industry. I couldn't hire actual developers, like six figure developers to help apprentice the students in the particular projects they're working on. Now with the software company arm, it's like a software and training. Uh, company, like I'm able to really deliver like the best quality education I can offer that I just could never do um, inside a university setting. Yeah, that's so cool. So we also know that you're a mom of four. And so you've like, you've just resigned your um, academic uh, job. And now Mm -hmm. and you've started this new, you know, this company. And so how are you like managing um, that, that balance, you know, from being a, you know, um, small business owner to a mom to, um, you know, a wife or a spouse. I mean, what does that look like for you? Oh man, such a good question. Yeah. So I, I actually committed to leaving my academic job, which had tenure and basically was like a guaranteed salary for life mm-hmm. just with no upward momentum because my university hadn't given raises for about 15 years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like, okay, there is so growing family, salary cap, uh, um, good, good work-life balance there, you know, but um, challenging in other ways. And actually, at, so I committed to resign in November Um, this is being recorded just after I resigned in June, but because the academic job cycle, it takes like a year to hire a professor. So I told them really early, like before my business was, I brought in some money into my business enough to give me the confidence to walk away, but by no means income replacing. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It was just like, okay, I think in the next eight months, I'll be able to make this work. And so I committed. And then I found out baby number five was on the way. (laughs) Baby number five. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I was so excited, but I was like, okay, we're we're living it right now. We're yeah. doing this. So, <laughs> so and um so I have to say, like this year trying to manage both things, like growing my business and delivering on my day job, that was a little challenging. I definitely in the short term made some choices where I did give up some family time that I don't want to continue in the future. But just, I was trying to figure out, like, how do I learn how to do this and deliver and and get everything going? So, I mean, that's the ultimate dream in having my own business is to define my work-life family balance the way Mm -hmm. I want to in the way, like, in a way that works for us. Um, I think one of the keys is I have a super supportive husband. Like, he is amazing. He taught me how to parent because he is Mr. Patience. Like, he is awesome. He cooks dinner. He loves cooking. And so like, he's an equal partner for sure. In the oh, home. And so I think 
having a true partner is the only reason this can work. Um, he also has a steady job. He's a music teacher. So yeah, he went, <laughs> he went into the music <laughs> thing. Um, uh, and so that's been the balance there. And literally as soon as I stopped teaching, um, I had my best month ever in my business, you know, I, so things are really looking good. I have the summer to kind of uh, figure this out and then babies do end of September. So I, I'm creating my business and also simultaneously learning to walk away and, and, and like delegate and build my team, which would I have moved as quickly if I wasn't having a baby? Probably not. I probably mm-hmm. would have stayed in it longer. So it, I'm looking at it as a silver lining. <laughs> that's good. No, I think that's awesome. I think even as like, so um, I'm self-employed, but I own a dance studio and cool. do all, all the things it feels like at this point. But um, I think every time I step out and take a risk and do something, there is always like four more hurdles to overcome. I'm yeah. like, why? And then it's just like a test every time, but it always works out. So that's always, that's always good. I guess as a business yeah. owner, it's, it's an interesting back and forth of like a big risk, you know, big reward type thing. So, exactly. so what would you say for our, you know, uh, the, the vast majority of our listeners are, um, you know, I would say typically they're moms and then they mm-hmm. have full-time jobs or they're small business owners as well. And so, um, or even some of them have full-time jobs and they're like, you know, they have like a side hustle. Um, mm-hmm. And so what, you know, what have you kind of learned through this journey over the last year of kind of knowing you're going to be ending your employment and then going and starting this business all at the same time, like what kind of advice would you give to anyone that is looking to do, you know, this sort of transition from that full-time, you know, uh, corporate, you know, employment to starting a small business? Oh, so good. So my advice is to trust your instincts. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause this is actually, the second time I tried to leave my job, I mm-hmm. tried to leave my job once before COVID hit. Um, I'd, I'd gone on a sabbatical, which for professors, basically like you're supposed to do research, but I was so research active. I didn't really need to do very much. So I basically got paid to just be a mom for a semester. It was really <laughs> awesome. But I was really, I, what, what really um, was a challenge for me was that getting that work-life balance right. And I was like, oh, for sure. When I'm on sabbatical, I'll get it. Nope, still couldn't be the mom I wanted to be and the employee I wanted to be. And I just found it really frustrating. I was like, I don't want to go back. And I found I did, I did start dabbling in other means of bringing in income. Like I, I had done some stock trading and I made like my salary in a week. And I was like, well, what do I need to go back to my job for? Of course I did it for one week. I didn't do it consistently. So, <laughs> so it was really easy for, you know, my husband and my boss to convince me to stay. Um, but it was just miserable. And I was like dying inside. Like I was so dissatisfied. And most people would say like, man, I had the dream job. I was almost at six figures working seven months of the year for like nine to 12 hours a week, but I wasn't happy. <laughs> like I was miserable. And so trust your instincts. And so my solution was like, I couldn't walk away in that moment. And it really wasn't the right time. Like I probably should have planned out to leave like at the end of the year, for example, like other things I could have done. But for me, it was about lowering the bar. I know I need to leave. I was miserable. Like it seemed on paper to be perfect, but it wasn't when I was living it. 
okay, how do I lower the bar to make this step easier for me? So what I did is last summer, I got my business up and running. I had showed, before I announced that I could leave, I had brought in like a pay in full, like I'd had a really big month. I, I'd had basically almost more than double my annual, my, my monthly income in one month in my business. And so I was like, wow. I had proven that I could do this. I could, I had proven that I could make it work. I did have to figure out how to make it consistent, but I had like, you know, six to eight months to figure that out. Yeah. We saved up enough so that like I could weather that and give myself space and time to feel safe while I'm trying to learn how to do this. So just like giving yourself the support you need so that you can really be who all you want to be. And then literally the month I stopped going into my university to teach, I had my best month ever my business. Like I brought in like, you know, twice our entire annual or twice our entire monthly budget. I brought it in one month in my business. So it was like, it was like almost like validation. Like, yes, this is the path. I still have to figure out how to do it consistently like, every month, but it gave us that wiggle room, that play so that I had the space to figure out what it is. And I'm just, I really am loving creating this. Like I'm really enjoying my days more. Like I like working, but I, I have, I like it to be something that I put in front of myself, not that someone else is dictating, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I think it makes total sense. Um, being guilty of that, I guess, for me, um, and I probably regurgitate this a lot to my partner as far as like, <laughs> he knows everything he has to do when he goes to work. You know, he knows X to X, yeah. Y, and Z, goes in, does it, and comes home, and then me, it's like, I never put work down, whether I'm at work or at home, because mm -hmm. that's just what happens. Have you yeah. like, have you found any tricks to help that? Or do you feel like there's more pressure to make like that business successful? Do you ever turn it off? I, I guess? Yes. Yeah, I do feel that way. In part, because like, I'm probably more comfortable with risk than my husband is. Oh, yeah. He has a, he has a very <laughs> steady job. He provides us our benefits. Basically, he's working for our mortgage and our health insurance. Like, right. that's, that's what he brings to the table, which in an area outside of New York is not nothing, right? Like, it's helpful. Yeah, but, like, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm really the primary <laughs> wage earner. And so, like, I, I don't feel stressed about my ability to do it, but, like, I feel his stress a little bit about, like, his insecurity. Yeah. Uh, and so I do, sometimes I do, like, now that I'm just trying to get it off and running, like, I do, I might choose to, like, okay, I'm going to take this sales call tonight, even though this is normally family time. So I've been working on fine-tuning those, um, those boundaries. Yeah. Because in, in university life, it was super simple. I just worked nine to three right. during school hours. Done. But now, like, I'm working with people that have jobs, uh -huh. right? And so, like, yeah. I have to kind of adjust. So I'm still feeling that out. What I've done is I try to limit anything that I do 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. Because that's, like, family and home time. But when the kids go to bed, instead of having couple hangout time one night a week, I go, get on a call with my students. And I, and I help them and work through whatever their challenges are once, once or twice a month. I will take some evening and weekend time to run a sales event and, and get on sales calls. So I'm trying to figure out what that balance is because I don't mind sometimes taking a little family time for that as long as it's not like every week all the time, right? Then it's yeah. too much and, and I can't, I can't cope. And the other way I've tried to kind of get around it is when I am working, I'm focusing on my top priorities and I kind of plan that out a week in advance, but I give myself tons of wiggle room because it's like then one day like, oh, all the kids are having COVID like coughs and have to stay home for school or like, you know, yeah, like, no, for sure. life just happens. So whenever I sit down to work, I'm like, okay, like 
I have a time block set aside and this is the priority I want to get done. What's the most important thing to do, like to grow my business or to deliver on my business? I try to kind of block it super high level so I can kind of just respond and re- in the moment. Right. That makes sense. So is your program um, or like your, is your training program, your school, is it mainly online based? Yes, it's totally virtual, totally online. Basically, what we do is I have like these modules. The reason I can say six months is because I literally have it timed out like two hours a day. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this for 20 minutes, do this for 10 minutes, watch this five minute video, do this 20 minute activity. Like, so I have it like and I've worked with hundreds of students. So I like in the classroom. So I know right. about how long it takes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's an average. It takes some people long here, some people right. less. But I have it all mapped out. And so that's work at your own pace. So it fits in with your life. You can do it whenever you want. But then the way we fast track it is I have these open Q&As on Zoom a couple times a week where people can just sign in and listen if they don't have questions to just kind of stay connected with the community or they can ask questions and I can really like, I can, I can diagram on an iPad, like it's a whiteboard and like, we just like get to it. And so that's how I kind of accelerate my students over any hurdles that come up. Um, and then we have um, something called a Discord server. It's like a private chat server where w- you can get questions answered 24-7 from me and the whole coaching team and everybody that's involved. Wow. So how do you market your um, your school? You know, how do you get mm-hmm. your name out there for people to go in and register? Awesome. So mostly I've been trying to do... Um, I've done some organic marketing where it's kind of word of mouth. That's the most effective, but it's mm-hmm. also one of the more challenging <laughs> ways to get out there. So I've mostly been on Facebook advertising, trying to find people that way. And I've been experimenting with different approaches. Um, once or twice a month, I run an event that's like two and a half hours where I explain how you can become a six-figure developer in six months. So I walk through the exact roadmap. Like you spend a month or two doing this, a month doing this, and like, all the pieces so that anybody could learn to do this, whether they choose to join uh, up with my school or not. Like, it's just, this is the path that I've been teaching for years and years that I know produces six figure software developers. Okay. So if someone listening to this podcast would be interested in registering, first of all, before I ask that question, are most of your students local to like where you live or do you have students that are you know, whether it's national throughout our country or even like internationally? Yeah, such a good question. So I do think I tend to connect really well with people in like the like east area mm-hmm. of the country. I definitely mm-hmm. have more in like the Maryland, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Michigan. I've got some Virginia, Florida, like I've, I've got people all over I think just because of the timings of things that we tend, I do have a couple Southwest folks, but it is an international crowd. I have a guy from the UK, I'm just onboarding someone from Kuwait right now. So like I have, and I have someone who's um, going to start soon. I think she, I believe she's in Thailand. Like it really is an international crowd because of the advertising. I focus predominantly on the U S but like, this is, it's virtual. It's designed to fit in any time zone. <laughs> and, yeah. and so it's really an international global community. Wow. Okay. So in the event, what I was going to ask one of our listeners are, you know, we have one listener that might be interested. How much does your program cost? Oh, such a good question. Such a good question. So the, the program I offer is actually kind of 
related to a category of training called a boot camp or a coding boot camp. Okay. And we are in line with other coding boot camps that are out there, but I offer like a, there's a couple different payment options and I have like a super amazing discount uh, when people call up if they're willing to take action quickly. And so I usually find it's a little bit easier to kind of work that, to share that information on the phone, just because the discount changes over time. So I don't okay. want to go on the record saying it's definitely going to be this, um, but it is, it, the full tuition is um, totally in line with the other. It, it's not, it, it's like middle of the pack. It's not highest. It's not lowest with other coding, coding boot camps that are out there. Okay. That's okay. Cool. That's awesome. So I know we have a hard stop here in just a little bit, but we like sure. to play this fun game with our um, guests and even just Chelsea and I do it with each other too. Um, that's called this or that. And so we've got Love some, it. some this or that. So Chelsea's going to, Chelsea's going to ask. <laughs> nice. Okay. Some of these might be no brainers already, or you've answered them, but okay. Self-employed or corporate. I have to say self-employed lifestyle okay. business all the way, man. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, Facebook or Instagram? Uh, Facebook for me personally, but okay. Um, Twitter, TikTok. Probably Twitter. I like I like reading. Okay. <laughs> um, the beach or snow? Oh, beach all the way. Okay. Date night or stay home? How about stay home date night? Ooh, that's a good one. That's I would say that's probably my favorite too. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you guys have fun at date night. Yeah. Soon. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, okay, I, I actually, that was really all I had written down. Um, but one last question I really had is like, as far as uh, social media platforms, um, which one is your favorite and do you feel is the most effective? So I haven't experimented that widely yet with other mm -hmm. platforms. So I've mostly been trying to push Facebook to see how far I can push it. And okay. then I was going to branch out into the other uh, social media platforms. So okay. I have found that like organic marketing has been a hard sell in my space. I think because as tech people, we're not necessarily known for our social. Like, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and so like, it does like, there's some kind of best practices that people advise that I can't always follow. I do think like TikTok and um, is probably a really great space. YouTube. I just haven't, I have some YouTube videos out there just so people can find me and discover me. But like, I haven't been like making that a major push yet. I'm, because uh, I'm still in the stage where I'm learning how to consistently bring in that revenue every month. Right. And once I hit that, then I can start saying, well, where can I get more revenue? <laughs> right. right. No, for sure. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, do you have a website that people can, can go to and we can kind of put a link to it? Oh, absolutely. And I can send you the link too as well, okay. but it's sixfiguresoftwaredeveloper.com. That's where the landing page is for my latest event, wherever it is. Where I, And even if you don't want to join what I'm doing, if you just want to learn, okay, well, how would I go about becoming a six-figure software developer in six months? Like that's the focus of the event is educational. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if you're interested in that path, uh, whatever that looks like for you, um, that would be the best place to go. Is that six, the number or spelled out? Oh, good question. It's all spelled out in letters. Six okay. figure software developer. Okay. Awesome. And then is your, fa is your Facebook page the same? 
Yeah, the Facebook page is the name of the the training uh, side of the business, which is Joy of Coding. Joy. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Yeah. No, I I love it, and yeah, so informative. Yeah, definitely. Honestly. I mean, and especially I think for me, since I do tech recruiting, I'm kind of like, mm-hmm. wow, this is like such an interesting. And for me, whenever I was looking at your profile on um, Podmatch, I was kind of like this would be informative for me just as a tech recruiter, just to kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, hear, um, you know, like why you went into uh, being a a software development educator. And, you know, obviously now you're, you've created this brand and um, this new uh, business to, you know, dive into. So I think that's so exciting. Well, thanks. It's been really fun. It's really fun. I, I can't wait to see it like in a year once I've navigated this whole thing of like having a baby while starting a business. Yeah. No. Do you, so exciting. So do you know what you're having? Yes. It's going to be our second boy. We are super excited. Oh, oh wow. Fun. I love that yeah. so much. So what are the ages of your kids? So we start, my oldest is 10. She's a very mature uh, babysitter in training, 10 year old. She's awesome. And then I have my, my son is eight and then my next daughter is four and my youngest is around 18 or 20 months. She is due. She will be turning two right when this new baby is born. Like they're literally. Okay. Wow. (laughs) So those are like similar to the ages that Chelsea and I have. Oh, cool. Two kids and Chelsea has two. Um, but yeah, my oldest, um, is nine and then my youngest is four and I have two girls. Yeah. Oh, so good. I love getting to watch the sisters. It's been really cool. Like Mm -hmm. getting to have a boy and a girl together and seeing what that relationship looks like for siblings. And now we've got the two girls and what that looks like. Maybe if I can convince my husband that five isn't the end, we can see what two boys are like, but I'm not holding my breath on that one. (laughs) I love it. You really are a risk taker. I found that like the fastest way to con- to get me to do something is to tell me it can't be done. And I oh. feel like I've been absorbing this like mantra from society that you can't be a mom who's like a CEO and like pr- a provider and have a big family. So I'm trying to kind of overthrow that. Hey, I can totally <laughs> relate to that. Tell me no. And it's a guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah, kind of, kind of. So society has been kind of telling me this. I'm like, yeah, guess what? Okay. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. It's just like when I have those moments when I want to complain and then people will be like, well, I told you so. And I'm like, Oh, not going to complain then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Well, Emily, I know that um, you have to go and we just so appreciate the time that we've had with you and going through everything with us and answering all of our questions. I felt like we had a lot. So thank you for that. And I think it was just so informative for not only Chelsea and I, but also our listeners. And um, yeah, so we just appreciate you being on the podcast and um, we will definitely go and check out your, you know, Facebook pages and your websites because um, Chelsea looks like wants to become a software uh, developer. <laughs> It'd be <laughs> awesome. I love it. And thank you so much for having me. It's always such a for great sure. chance to jam with other moms that are into this space and, and, uh, and just, yeah, figuring out that whole balance thing. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Well, if you ever decide to start a podcast, just, you know, always keep us in mind because we would love to sure. be, to be a guest on yours. So, um, oh, well, it. best of luck in your new journey. 
Um, so Thank very you. exciting. And we will definitely um, keep up with you and uh, you know, keep updated and everything. And so again, just thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day and your week. And uh, we will uh, chat soon. And and this is going to come out on Thursday, June 9th. So just so you know that. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. That's actually two days before my next event. So it'll be perfect. Oh, oh awesome. Nice. Okay. Awesome. Thank I'll you. Try. And I'm sorry about the technical difficulties. I haven't oh, used the okay. software before. But if um, you have that coming again, you'll know it's because their phone fell asleep. I don't know if it's the AirPods or what. Yeah, <laughs> oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no worries. No worries. All right. Well, thank you again awesome. and enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, take care. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye. 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 Okay, so we just finished up with Emily Hill and um, six-figure developer. Six-figure developer. Yeah. I mean, that and a is... mom of five with one on the way, or four. She's a mom of four with, with one, one on, on the way. way. So impressive. And she's been an academic professor. at um, a local college there in uh, New Jersey. Yep. And And now she's she's the CEO of Joy of of Coding. Joy of Coding and six-figure developer, which, man, that's just... It all makes sense, like, you know, kind of as we were talking about just these tech skills are only going to be more specialized and then they're only going to be um more like uh highly attractive to whether it's a tech company or you know an organization like the one i work for so it's just a high demand very high demand for it people because i think it's intimidating maybe for a lot of people to want to major or go into it or something like that but she offers a six-month program almost guaranteeing six figures so um and she just she went to college um and got her master's in it so she has firsthand experience that college isn't necessarily the way for everyone so it's like a fast track course to make six figures and to learn things very like hands-on yeah it's like a monastery school for yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's well, it's like a tech school. Yeah, so it's very, yeah, very interesting. I felt like she had lots of good information and kind of low key convinced me to go into IT, but I probably won't. But you never know. <laughs> you never know. You never so know. there's a school here in Tulsa that's um, called the um, Holburton School. And it's a very similar concept. Oh, okay. Um, that it's mostly uh, people that are looking for a career change. So, you know, full-time employees or full-time adults that are looking to kind of transition their career into um, IT in some way. Yeah. Um, but so... Well, this is an online program. This is an so online. Anybody can do it. Yeah, and it's only six months. Right. So and it's only like two hours a day. So if you have a full time job, check it out. If you want to do a transition, or if you just want to know, um, we don't know all the ins and outs, but she has specials if you guys call. So um, as far as what what that commitment is financially, but she seems like she's she's got some cool stuff going on. And she seems like she really knows, like, her stuff yeah. and what she's doing. And the fact that she taught it for 
several several years you know and yeah no i kind of like that it's interesting too because if you think about it i think you should be able to almost do this with everything that you want to do in life Mm -hmm. because the experience always gives more knowledge but yet there's still kind of that i don't want to like stereotype and say small-minded group of people that say that you have to have a degree to do this, you have to. Whether you learned anything in the, in college or not, you still have to have a degree. And that doesn't always mean you're the best candidate or best choice. Because someone may not have a degree but might know way more than the other person. So it's just kind of overcoming that. that well, barrier. and I just think that the landscape for, you know, employment is just, it's changing. And it has been changing for a while Um, But I think, you know, we'll see it even more so in the next five to 10 years that degrees are, you know, preferred, but they're not required. Yeah. Um, And a lot of people, you know, us included, I mean, we have a degree in marketing and political political science. science. Neither one of us are doing those directly related, you know, Um, and so a lot of people are in those same, in that same boat of they have a degree that they don't actually use. They've gone into something totally different and, and experience in my world does trump that degree for the most part. Um, and so, you know, we're going to hire someone typically not for all positions, but, you know, typically, that's going to have, you know, five to 10 years of experience over someone who, you know, has just a, just a college degree. And so, but, you know, I mean, I think would definitely encourage everyone to, to get their degree because I think that the higher you climb in the corporate ladder, I think that the expectation is to have that degree. Um, And so, you know, it's always going to be something that is going to be useful to you regardless. Um, but, you know, again, you don't have to, to have to have it um, if you're not going into something specialized like accounting or engineering or right. science, like being a doctor or whatever. And so yeah. obviously those things, you, you do need a degree. But um, just, yeah, like... The fact that she has four kids and one on the way, and then she was even open to like having another child, and I'm just like, how do I even manage the two children that I have? Like, <laughs> you know, like yeah. she is super woman for sure. But I love when she said that she wants to like kind of break that societal barrier of. You know, yeah. women can't have it all. Like, women can't be CEOs, moms, wives, um, you know, X, Y, and Z. And she is really trying to break that that barrier. Yeah, um, and, for sure. you know, I feel like just talking to her for the last 30, 40 minutes, I, I think that there's one person that can do it. It sounds like she can. So yeah. sounds like she is prepared she's she's so definitely definitely be an interesting journey to fall follow yeah <laughs> and uh check it out so yeah, yeah i thought it was super cool yeah no so um i think that we would uh be remiss if we didn't say something about the events that happened in tulsa yeah. um last week um i think that you know 
we had to, Chelsea and I had to take a break last week because too much. It was too much, to be honest with you. I think, you know, when we listened and looked at the podcast that we had the two weeks prior and even the one week prior, you know, both of those had um, conversations around mass shootings. And, you know, and then we had one that was um, in our hometown in a facility that we both frequent. We both have spouses that work um, in this health system. And um, it was just, I think it just hit way too close to home. And so I think we needed to take a pause last week on any new content. We had a lot of feelings and anger and frustrations around um, what is going on in our country. And so I think that we had to take a break, but I definitely think, you know, we have to address it now that we're back. It's super intense, sad, not really um, a whole lot of answers. You know, I know there's a lot of people with opinions, but ultimately I think, yeah, we can just, um, I don't know, you know, I mean, it's like, I don't even want to say pray for a change. I think, you know, obviously things have to, things need to shift. I just, all I can say is I hope people are, um, are just staying very aware of their space and paying attention and I don't know, you know, take care of yourself first um, and take care of others around you. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I don't, I mean, just like all of us, regardless of where the location has been in the last several weeks. And then, of course, you know, over the weekend, there were um, a couple more mass shootings throughout this country and a couple out of church and, you know, um, just, uh, you know, outside of a bar. And just, I think that, like Chelsea said, you know, we're just trying to make sure that we're, her and I and our families are aware of, you know, where we're at. Like, um, if we go into a store, kind of where the exit doors are and um, just things of that nature that I think I've always thought about, I think just in general, because I'm kind of a paranoid person um, and obviously very protective of my kids. But I think this most recent situation has really just kind of heightened that, Um, you know, you can't go obviously into a grocery store or into a school or into a hospital um, and think that you're going to be safe. And, you know, the, the saying like, you can't live in fear, which I know that Chelsea's like mentioned that a couple of times on our podcast recently, but the fact is, is that yes, you can't live in fear, but you have to be aware of, you know, I think not where you're at. Yeah. And not everybody, um, circumstances always, you know, is similar and so be kind to others be aware um you never know the entire journey and um i think just um be yeah i don't know just get connected with people yeah um take people seriously 
listen to people and all the things. It's just, it's just too close to home. It's, it's not even that this is too close to home. It's the constant conversations about, you know, thinking like you can't live in fear. Or like this can't dictate and <clears throat> people saying, you know, guns don't kill people and this and that. And there's just a lot of, a lot of ins and outs and, and I am not hardcore one way or the other. So, you know, I'm definitely not anti-gun, but I'm definitely not, you know, let's let a toddler go purchase a gun today. So it's like, so, um, I don't know. It seems like this situation is simple to fix when it comes down to like, you know, the, the time to purchase a gun, how easy it is. And clearly criminals don't follow rules. <laughs> yeah, I do understand that's not a thing. Um, but I also understand we all lock our doors at night because we think that it's going to keep criminals out. Mm -hmm. So it's the same concept, yeah. you know? So a few locks here and there doesn't seem um, like... And I, it definitely seems necessary. Yeah. You know. Well, and I, you know, I kind of think as a mom, like, I, I am kind of hypervigilant around when my kids go to, to homes and things of that nature. Oh, like, sure. um, what's in the house? Where is it? Is it locked? And, um, you know, asking those, appro I mean, those are questions that are appropriate. I feel like, you know, they're they're uncomfortable and they can be awkward because I think people get very defensive and they think, you know, like, oh, well, you're a, you know, a liberal and who doesn't want guns. And it's not that it's just a safety thing. I think for me personally, yeah. and well, not everybody is hyper aware and accidents happen. And the only way to prevent accidents from happening or to prevent anything from happening is to start being proactive instead of reactive. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? To me, it's a no-brainer. To others, it feels like people are saying, like, ban guns. And I've never in my life thought that. Um, but I definitely think that there should be checks and balances yeah. to everything. Again, for those of you that want to complicate situations, if you lock your car doors or you lock your, your house door, if you have a house, whatever, then it's the same concept. We just have... You have to... You have to lock the door or it's even easier for someone to just walk in. Yeah. Same concept. So anyways, I probably will get off on a rant here. So, um, Well, and I think also, you know, there is such a huge mental health stigma in our country that yeah. I feel like the last several years it's been more talked about and it's more, there are more available resources and assistance, but I feel like it definitely is still a stig. There is a stigma around it of you're weak or, you know, whatever it is um, for people to be able to ask for help. And I think that there, there is that side of it that there are people who have mental health issues that have this easily accessibility to guns um, that may not even have prior criminal records, you know. But I think that's where the people that surround these others need to be aware of, you know, what they're going to be doing or social media posts because typically 
In most of these cases, there have been conversations that have been had, there have been posts that have been made to where someone knew or could foresee an incident happening. Mm. And so I think it is to be aware of it and then to also be um, not afraid to speak up. And I think that, you know, we do need some mental health, um, you know, resources and options and just that are easily accessible for everyone, not just, you know, the people that can afford these things, but for every single person. I, like Chelsea, am not, you know, I don't know how we can, how we have to change, but we have to change, you know, and, and I do think that we have to just also start being kind to one another and yeah, like less division and more solutions. Yes. I think. And yeah. I think that's just natural. It's natural for people to want to find the negative, but it's also, um, I feel like unnatural to not want a solution. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just be aware of others, be kind, um, and, um, listen Mm-hmm. to what's happening yeah. yeah so yeah anyways okay Beth is off to Mexico this weekend so she's yeah. got some fun stuff when she gets to catch up with us yes yep I'm so excited to be doing that um I know that um these next couple of weeks you know we're gonna have some guests on and so um it'll be uh really fun but yeah when we get back we will definitely do a, a catch-up podcast and well, um, she'll do the big reveal if she wore the long sleeve swimsuit or not. Yes, I will definitely do that. Um, That'll be her picture. Yeah, I've been getting <laughs> been getting all of my packages in, so um, I'll let you guys know what that long sleeve swimsuit uh, looks like. So and if she got sunburned or not? Yes. Yep. Exactly. Yep. All right. Well, this has been another great episode. Again, Emily Hill. Um, just to kind of circle back to it, uh, sixfiguredeveloper.com. Um, and you can find her on Facebook with uh, The Joy of Coding. And so, again, we just appreciate her so much for coming on. And thank you again for being um, listeners. Uh, share with your friends. Give us reviews. And we will catch you next week. <laughs>